Bank Live Vancouver. Free game, post game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Watton and J-Pat here with you to wrap up the week. And we got our buddy Patrick Johnson, of course, coming up a little bit later on. But uh, J-Pat, earlier this week, there was a rumor that was floating around about Ray Ferraro and perhaps being the color analyst or the next color analyst for the Vancouver Canucks. Now, it wouldn't be a full-time thing right away. Don't know how much truth there is to this rumor, but it was written by Tyler Green at the Daily Hive, who's pretty well-connected when it comes to these sort of news. I mean, I think it would be a home run if they were able to pull this off. And not only that, I think they would win a lot of fans' favor back if they were able to bring Ray into the mix. Yeah, well, it certainly hasn't been shot down in any corner, sure. so I think there is uh, certainly some some legs to it. Uh, we had John Shannon. I've been sitting in for Blake on Sakaris and Price, and we had John Shannon on, and he said it was his understanding that it would be 25 home games. Uh, Ray is still under contract to ESPN for mm-hmm. at least one more year, so this would kind of be a gradual entry thing. Uh, but, boy, if it points to him becoming the full-time guy at some point, uh, you know, look, at he's risen through the ranks, you know, the best in the business, but he's based in Vancouver and I could see at this stage of his life and his career. And he's got, uh, you know, it's sort of his, his second family. Now the, the next, the, the next wave of, of kids are, are teenagers and they're busy and, you know, activities here and there. And, you know, so it would just make life a lot easier for him. And of course, Cammy uh, already in the Canuck fold. So it makes sense on a lot of levels, but yeah, I mean, when there was that outpouring of, oh man, this is the end for John Garrett as the you know everyday guy. Uh, if people knew that they were replacing Cheech and Ray Ferraro was going to be the guy, uh, you know, I think most people would have signed up for that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the idea of Shorty and, and Ray Ferraro as a, a tandem in the booth, uh, I'm sign me up. I'm in and and you know look forward to that. So I hope it happens. Um, and then it's a question of, you know, is this a play to ultimately make him the full-time guy uh, for the Vancouver Canucks for the foreseeable future? So I, I think this coming year is going to be interesting. Uh, and Tyler Green had the piece at Daily Hive. And, and you know, if, if you start to piece it together that I think the Canucks have 58 regional games. So you would need a color analyst for 58 games there. Uh, the other games are national. And so, you know, Louis DeBrusque does a bunch as the sort of the that West Coast second group on Hockey Night in Canada. You know, but Louis an Oilers guy sort of uh, the rest of the time, so I don't think he would be doing anything other than the Hockey Night commitments. Uh, there was a mention of Jen Botterill, who, you know, does terrific work on the she's studio good. panel. She's really good. And she's done color uh, for some of the American networks as well, so I, I don't discount that at all as an opportunity there. A lot of people banging the drum for Kevin Biaxa. They were when the Cheech announcement was made, and that kind of has started again here. And as good as Kevin's been on the panel, it's one thing to be a studio guy. Color analyst is totally different. And that's not to say that he couldn't or wouldn't be good at it, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, he's uh, always been, you know, glib with a quote. It was as a player. I'm not surprised that he's made the transition seamlessly into broadcasting. But I, you know what, I, I won't be surprised if they give him an opportunity, just sort of as a, let's see how Kevin Bieksa is in the broadcast booth as opposed to, you know, on the panel between the periods. So uh, beyond that, you know, does Sportsnet have some people that they've been eyeing, people that have, you know, been knocking on the door to get an opportunity? Uh, my guess is yes, 
Would there be people in their fold already? Are there people working in other markets that might slide in? You know, I think it's really going to be a patchwork uh, thing for the Canuck regional broadcasts this season. And, you know, again, like, is that fair to show? I think though? I'm okay with it. I'm like, I grew up at a time when, you know, it was Jim Robson and Tom Larshide, and there were occasions when Robson left to do some TV work and somebody else would slide in and do play-by-play on the radio. But but I come from a time where it was one play-by-play guy, one color guy, but the times have changed. And we see it now, the American networks, like even in the playoff series, they don't apply a broadcast team to one series. They're moving guys around, and so you're getting different crews um, and some of the series, different networks from game to game and all that kind of stuff. Like, And that's just the world we live in, and I think we're all okay with it ultimately as long as you can see the games. The games will be on TV. It's just a question of you know who's it going to be on the broadcast from night to night. Uh, but if you can tell me that Ferraro is going to get yeah. 25 Canucks regional games for a season, they, hey, yeah, make it happen. Yeah, I don't know about Biaxa. Uh, I don't know if he wants it for one thing. Um, yep. He's got a hockey academy, does he not, down in California? I've heard him talk about it a couple times. Yeah, on uh, hockey night in Canada, so that probably takes up a lot of his time. And yeah, I, I, again, I'm amazed at the Ducks or the Kings, but he was a Duck, so it would be a natural fit for. I'm, I'm surprised the Ducks haven't found a way to incorporate him in their regional broadcasts and maybe give him a test in that regard. But again, like, like he's a natural, so he very well may be a natural as a color guy. But it's just. I think it's too simplistic to say, hey, he's really good on the panel, therefore yeah, he's going to be really good in the broadcast. Yeah, booth. no, he's really good on the panel, though. Like, he's fantastic. And it's just, I like how laid back he is, and he's such a quick on his toes guy as well, like when it comes to the zingers and stuff. But yeah, you're right. It's a different sort of um, game when you're up in the uh, doing the color analyst as opposed to being the analyst on the desk. But yeah, the, the Canucks- Well, on the analyst job, you know, it gives him all sorts of opportunities to take shots at, uh, at Elliot. Uh, I don't know. Elliot's not as good with the comebacks. Elliot's really good. No, but with his work. Shorty's Shorty's going to be busy calling the games. Like he's he's like taking pot shots. Um, What do you think in terms of like like they got to get this right? Because this is the Cheech and, and Shorty were, if not the best team in the business, like, you know, top five for sure. And the fans just loved it so much. And Cheech, you know, they love Cheech. But they got to get this right. Like they can't. Like if they go out of market to somebody, you know, I can see Jennifer Botterall as, as a fill-in. But I, if you're going to go full time, this is the person. It's a sensitive crowd out here. Like they're sure going to make sure yep. that they want their guy, and you better not get some guy like you know has some Toronto stench or something like that all over him, right? So I think it's a key decision for them to make. Ferraro would be fantastic, though. A Toronto stench. Wow. Yeah, I know. I have uh, it. I wear it. Yeah. People no, smell it. No, I know. It. Trust me. I know. Uh, <laughs> I tried to get rid of yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, no, it is a big decision, and I'm sure they recognize that. Uh, the other nugget that John Shannon threw out there was that Shorty turned some heads at Rogers with his work in that Florida-Boston series uh, in the opening round, and John Shannon thought that that may lead to more Ooh. national opportunities for John Shorthouse. So... Uh, you know, we're seeing a changing of the guard. We did, because uh, usually it's Han Ryan Singh and Louis DeBrusque who are sort of the second crew. Mm-hmm. And yet you saw the Vegas-Dallas series with John Bartlett with Gary Galley, uh, which I thought was interesting, at the very least, that somebody made that decision. Um, you know, so would John Shortos be in line next year to, you know, go deeper into the playoffs than just the, the opening round? And what an opening round. You know, like, they did do a nice broadcast, and nobody here in Vancouver is surprised at that. 
but they had great material to work with as well, with Florida knocking off the Boston Bruins game in seven. overtime yeah. in Game 7. Yeah, so they did it justice, and it sounds like you know that got the attention of some decision-makers uh, back east. So let's see where that ultimately leads for a guy like John Shorthouse. Yeah, I think I told you this already, but I was at a restaurant when that uh, game was going down, and the whole place cheered when Boston lost the game. I thought it was unbelievable. That's in White Rock. They still hate Boston. Uh, quickly, though, we talked about this yesterday. I see you got a nice piece up on uh, hockey news. Just batting around, you know, perhaps the Nashville Predators could be a trade partner uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, take a look uh, for that on the hockey news if you haven't read it already. But um, I know we broke it down pretty much yesterday. But there's a lot of parallels to draw with Nashville and Vancouver and why Nashville, you know, perhaps could be a trade partner with the Canucks. Yeah, and that's all that the piece is. And it's up, you're right, at thehockeynews.com. Uh, I mean, Nashville, A, is the host of the draft, B, a new management group, a new head coach. The GM the other day said, like, we need to find some offense. Predators were 28th in the National Hockey League in goals per game, 27th on the power play last year. Roman Yossi led them in power play goals. Cody Glass, with six, was their top forward in terms what of was, power what play What was Patterson again? How, how many did he end up with? He had six yeah. as well. Um <laughs> I know, so which is but, crazy considering the point absolute point totals sure. between them. Yeah, yeah. But you've got the Canucks, and they have all these wingers. Whether it's Besser, whether it's Garland, whether it's Anthony mm-hmm. Beauvillier, and the Predators. Oh yeah, they've got fifteen million dollars in cap space. So uh, you know, I think they're motivated. They missed the playoffs anyway. I mean, I, I, it is simply the, the piece is called connecting the dots, and that's all we're doing here. I'm not reporting that there are trade talks with the Canucks and the Predators, but when you look around the National Hockey League, that's a team I think. Just by virtue of the fact that they are the host team for the draft makes them a team, I think, to watch. And then you've got the Canucks, who are certainly motivated to to make some deals as well. So, yeah, just trying to sort of, you know, again, uh, things are going to pick up here in June, but we're still kind of spinning our wheels a little bit. So I was just taking a look at a potential trade partner for the Vancouver Canucks. Well, you heard it here first. Roman Yossi for OEL. Yeah, <laughs> Breaking yeah. news on Rinkwide Vancouver. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. As always on a Friday, we're joined by Patrick Johnson from Post Media, the province. How are you today, PJ? I'm great. I was sitting on my deck when you messaged me, Andrew. So, you know, I can't wait to get back outside. I know, right? It's uh, beautiful out there. And uh, good weekend for baseball, by the way. The Vancouver Canadians uh, got a few nooners. Might have to go check that out. But yeah. um, 
So what you're writing about this week, it looks like the, the Canucks, when they got fined 50K for being out there with uh, some coaches on uh, Rogers Arena with some of the players, Bear, Myers, Garland, was anybody else out on the ice for that one? I mean, that that was, I mean, maybe Seelaws was there. Those were the three I think we all thought of. I think Dollywell but, uh, reported at the time it was Jack Stanika and Dakota Joshua were part of that group as well. Oh, also, okay. yeah, because they, they were around. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a mix of guys. I mean, I mean, do you want? I'll just get right into yeah, it. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, the, the 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 situation to recall was essentially the rules say off season you can't you, you can skate. You're allowed to skate at the rink. You're allowed to work out. You're actually allowed to work out with strength and conditioning coaches, but it's on the players' initiative. The team can't mandate it. And and you know, if it's if there's no ice, there's no ice. You know, whatever. But uh, what ha- it, it seems that essentially, I guess, in the week after the season ended, you know, it, um, the exemption is if you're injured. So a guy like Vasily Putkolzin or Oliver Ekman Larson can carry on with their rehab with a coach under the supervision because there's, you know, sort of hockey requirements in terms of assessment to return to play and that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, those guys would have been allowed to skate, but anybody who wasn't injured you know, could have skated on their own, but they wouldn't be allowed to, under the under the rules of the CBA, wouldn't be allowed to skate with a coach. So whether it was a Sedin, whether it was Yogi Svejkovsky, whether it was Rick Tockett, didn't matter. Um, they, they couldn't skate with anybody. So apparently what happened was, I guess at least, it sounds like what I think happened was a couple of these guys, you know, a couple of these injured guys were skating. You had a, a handful of guys who wanted to skate three or four of whom were going to the world, so Myers, Bear, Garland, maybe Seelovs. I never actually, never really got the list fully together, but those are the four guys who went to the world championships. Art Patrick Alvin said we had guys who were, you know, we, who were sort of preparing for the worlds. Um, and then they, uh, and then I think, yeah, Dolly Wall had what Studnika and, and uh, Dakota Joshua, two guys who just, you know, whose seasons were over and who knows. Um, and, you know, the Canucks got fined for letting whoever was on the ice, whatever coach was on the ice with those guys. Uh, and there's a reason why. Like, I mean, I said at the time, like this, there is, you know, there are shop rules. You agree to them. There's reasons why you don't want to have um, teams essentially overstepping the bounds of, of what's, you know, been deemed to be acceptable by everyone. The rules are there for a reason. Um and you don't want, you know, you also you also want to sort of, in a certain level, protect players from themselves because they might allow, you know. So the rules are there. They're hard and fast. They're firm. You're allowed to skate. You can work out. Like I said, you can work out with a, a team strength coach uh, in the in the gym, but you you cannot be on the ice with other teams. And you know, if you th- if you zoom back, there are other reasons for this too, right? I mean, there's a competitive balance aspect. The Toronto Maple Leafs obviously have a massive budget. The Arizona Coyotes, for better or worse, don't. And, you know, so the idea that you could have extra time with team uh, employees, you know, during the offseason would be fair. And one of the reasons that was pointed out to me, if you look at the memorandum of understanding that they signed uh, ahead, you know, coming out of the um, uh, bubble, you know, going into 2020-21, essentially the extension of the CBA. One of the alterations that was made was that anybody who has any financial relationship with the team is not allowed to work with players. So, for instance, it was pointed out to me, this is, for instance, what the Leafs used to do. So the Leafs had um, Barb Underhill, the skating skating coach, they they had her as a consultant. And so that meant she wasn't a team employee and, you know, and I think, I think essentially other teams pointed out, said, you know what? And, and I kind of get it, right? Like, unless you're going to have a pool of money that all the teams can draw from to pay for staff in the off season, 
you know, teams are going to be like, well, that's, or players are going to be like, well, you know, the Leafs should take care of a lot of Cameron. I mean, obviously the Coyotes have a whole bunch of other issues, but as an example, you know, if you are a smaller market team that don't have the same budget, there are reasons why these rules exist. It's, it's a sort of a competitive fairness thing. So we come to yesterday, Elliot Friedman tweets out, a change has happened. And I go and actually was able to confirm this with the PA that essentially based on the Canucks, what happened with the Canucks, where I think at the end of the day, at least in the case of the World Championship players, I think other teams could look at that and say, you know what, that's not unreasonable. So they created a framework. You know, I think other teams came, and maybe some other players came to the, to, the, to the league and the PA and said, maybe we can figure out some kind of exemption. So the way going forward, they're trying it this year. If a player wants to skate with a skills coach, so Yogi Svejkowski, I don't know if that, includes the Sedins. They're on they are on the development staff, so maybe that means that. But if a player wants to do that, they can call up the PA and say, This is what I want to do with my team, with this coach, at this time. And then basically the PA can turn around, talk to the team, talk to the league, say this is what the parameters are, and they can go do it now apparently. Canucks still got their fine though. But don't you find this whole thing Kind of ridiculous. Like, I see what you're saying about competitive balance, but come on. Mm-hmm. What, just because you're going to be training guys in the offseason with a few more coaches means you're going to win a Stanley Cup over somebody else? Like, it's, the whole thing is a little bit ridiculous, no? Uh, I mean, I think it's it's a little bit of the environment of the thing, you know? Like, you want to have... You know, but back in the day, the you best... could buy, you could have an unlimited, you know, uh, 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 a payroll, yeah. and, and still didn't mean that you were winning Stanley Cups. Now, you know, the Detroit Red no. Wings kind of might have fucked that a little bit, but... but... But this is, again, this, I mean, this is a bit similar to the to the practice rink thing, right? Like, it's not a big deal, but it's sort of that th- death by, it's it's the opposite of the death by a thousand cuts scenario, right? Like, the less and less you do, sort of on, you know, the less impressive you feel, the less impressive players, maybe your players feel, you're right. I mean, in the end, it's about being on the ice, but ne- when you're in a world now where, you know, every team essentially has an off-ice facility, every team sort of does these things... It stands out when you don't. And, you know, the, I think the reality is you're right. I mean, it is a little bit, of, it is a bit ridiculous. I mean, to be honest, it's ridiculous that they weren't allowed. And I think that's the thing to remember here. That the rule change now says, you know, if it works, but the, and the trial is this year. And we had a bit of debate with my editor yesterday because she, you know, her feelings, well, this has been resolved. I'm like, well, it's one year. Let's see. But, you know, logically, you'd think the way they've set it up saying, yes, there, if you want to skate with a team coach, there is a way to do it. And the fact they didn't have it before kind of comes to your point, Andrew. It's like, what are we worried about here? <laughs> well, I just find it, I find it's such a gray area that, and I get that the worlds are under the umbrella of the IIHF. They're not an NHL event, but for those two weeks immediately after the NHL season where guys know they're going to the Worlds, like it, it feels like they should be able to have some high-level practice. And you've got NHL coaches that are coaching at the Worlds, so that kind of adds to a gray area. Like, Is Andre Turnier getting a chance to work with any of the Arizona Coyotes that are going to go to the World Hockey Championship because he's Team Canada's coach, or David Quinn is Team USA's coach? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like To me, it feels like... Two weeks before training camp and two weeks after the regular season, there should be some windows that kind of allow this, just turn a blind eye and let whoever wants to be out on the ice be out on the ice. Well, I mean, you look at you look at how things go in, I mean, I don't know if that'll necessarily be true this year, but you look at, say, in August, like the Canucks, I mean, one of the things is maybe helps this all work out is the Canucks technically don't, you know, they, the, the, the A-Rings or Scotia Barn facility in Burnaby 
is not theirs. It used to be theirs. The reason why everything is there is because they used to be there. Um, but when the Canucks skate, you know, Canucks players start skating there in late August, that is nominally on their own initiative. Now, you know, there is, there are some, you know, it was interesting seeing Clark working with the goalies. Um, I think the parameters there might be different. I'm never, I've never been quite clear on that part. I mean, it's a skills coach. I think you're allowed to have, the other thing is you are allowed to have like off season development camps and there's sort of rules around that, but you know, you see the goalies are there and their goalie coach is there. So what's the deal? You know, it's, you know, getting prepared for training camp is one thing. I think part of it too, is that players are not required to be there. They can do what they want. Now, of course we, I think we've heard plenty behind the scenes that the Canucks would like these players to get in town faster and getting working, getting ready together for training camp uh, sooner than they have been because I think they, there is sort of a feeling I guess from from management standpoint that that if you get the guys together quicker that's a very good sign or if the guys sorry the guys get themselves together that's a very good sign about sort of culture and I think you know that's something that you know certainly Rick talk talked about big summers oh yeah uh, but you know I think but I think part of what you know he was saying there was that like he 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 needs his players to understand and that's why they you know it, it has stood out to me why they, they talk about Sidney Crosby so often you know there's all these obviously so much of the team came from the Penguins they saw firsthand what an influence the best player in hockey has been on his teammates. And that's not to say that, you know, man, I wish we had Sidney Crosby. It's to say, this is what the best does. You guys should think of like the best do. And uh, so, you know, I mean, at the back end of all this, you know, obviously it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out. And, you know, is there going to be a skills coach? Are they going to have someone on the ice helping them out, getting these guys ready? Um, Because, you know, in the last season, for instance, they had Jason Krogh, who is a local coach and has worked in, you know, does, you know, skill development with professionals and uh, works, you know, for some high level youth programs and things like that. And I had a nice chat with him and he had a really good time. Um, But in the end, he's not a team employee and is just a guy that's around who knows what it takes to play in the NHL. Um, It'll be interesting to see if, you know, sort of next year's pre-camp setup has someone like Yogi Svekoski running the show. Another piece that you wrote about this week, and we kicked this around a little bit. Uh, we heard from J.P. Barry. Uh, he was on the podcast with Pierre Lebrun yeah. and, and Ryan Rashog, and they asked him about Elias Patterson and sort of the plans here for the summer. Was there anything in his comments that, in your mind, went beyond just sort of typical agent speak? I think I, I was interested. It was a very confident sort of positioning, I thought. Um, I, I tried to ask him about it. Didn't, he didn't really get back to me on it. He did, got back to me about Jet Wu. Um, but, I, I, you know, I mean, I think there, which, which made me think, you know, okay, this is, I mean, of course it was calculated. Uh, you know, you go on with LeBron and LeBron, you know what LeBron's going to ask you. And, and um, you know, there, there is a bit of staging here. And, I, and as I sort of thought about it and I mentioned, uh, you know, I think I mentioned a couple places was, you're setting things up in a positive manner. You know, if things go south, then you said, well, we tried. I mean, that's cynical. That's me take, that's the cynical, but that's our jobs, right? Our job is to be cynical and <laughs> downtrodden. I, you know, I think in, at the end of the day, you look at the position he's in. Um, sure, you know, he can force his way out. He can try to pull a Kachuk. Um, and that's always a possibility. You never know. And the standard he laid out was there. Uh, in you know, you know, before he signed the current deal that he wants to play for a winner, um, and they've had two seasons now where they've changed the coach twice, <laughs> and they haven't made the playoffs. Uh, they've had glimmers of hope. So you know, to me, I I still go with. 
I think he probably wants to see how next year starts. You know, I mean, it's entirely possible. But the framing from Barry wasn't like, we want to get a deal done this summer. It's we're going to start talking about it later this summer. Right. And, I, you know, that's the other thing that stood out to me. Nonetheless, trying to project some confidence and saying, listen, we like it. I mean, he, you know, I think we know he likes it here. He's he, he, he doesn't especially like talking to the media. Fair enough. Um, but... You know, I think he has made it clear he enjoys the atmosphere here. He likes the way it is. You know, for, as big cities goes, he's a small town guy. But I think as big cities go, he's you know he he's a guy that clearly likes it. He likes being in North America. We know that much. He likes traveling. Um, it's a good place to be. He certainly you know likes entertaining his family and friends here. And uh, well, I, you know, I guess we'll see. We'll see how this plays. Out. Yeah. Well, they better get off to a better start than they did last year if that's oh. the case. <laughs> Because yeah. the uh, fans do not want to lose them some Elias Pettersson here. But uh, no. PJ, we'll let you go. We'll lose you now. You can go off into the sunshine. <laughs> Back yeah. in the sunshine yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go finish up. My, I, you know, I'm working my way. It's my turn to do that under the microscope. So I'm writing about everyone's favorite topic, Oliver Ekman Larson today. Good, nice, nice Friday story for everyone to th- consider through the weekend. Before I let you go, because I did uh, talk baseball just briefly off the top there. <laughs> How are you feeling about what's happening with your oh. Oakland Athletics right oh. now? Oh, just dreadful. I will be very brief. It's, I mean, please you know, be brief. It's o- the athletics. They have yeah. 12 wins. <laughs> I know. Well, it's just depressing. I mean, yeah. here's an owner who just, I don't even, I don't even know why he owns this baseball team. Yeah. Like he doesn't, he, he's, he's been miserable most of the time he's owned it. Um, they're angling for a stadium in La- in Las Vegas that I don't think is actually as good as the one that was gonna, probably going to be built in Oakland. Certainly isn't getting as many public subsidies. It's very strange. Um, and the possums are taking like, over in the uh, press box as well. So. Well, I mean, that's what you yeah. get. I mean, they haven't spent any money. The, the, the one thing I will say is the idea that somehow the fans have quit on the Oakland A's is not fair. No. The owner quit on the fans. No. And that and it's been driving into the ground for, you know, I mean, you want to say five years, you could say a decade. People forget about the poop getting, uh, poop washing up in the, in the, in the clubhouse. All right, that's where we'll and cut you off. When the anyway, poop is coming you know, up, there we go. Great finish. We're, done. we're done. So don't forget. Right. Yeah, this is what happens. That's, that's what happens when you have a really bad owner. Two 07 winning percentage. Out into the sunshine, <laughs> out into the sunshine you go to write about yeah, OEL. Let's take, take care, guys. We're done. <laughs> the BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks, and kids 17 and under can get in for 15 So bring the noise. Fill the Dome. Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog. Make a play at Canvas Choice for free casino games, sports odds, and poker strategies. Many thanks, of course, to Patrick Johnson for joining us as usual. I'm sorry, I have to talk Oakland A's when it comes to PJ, just because I'm so intrigued by everything that's happening there. It's just ridiculous what they're doing to that franchise down there. But all right, let's let's get into some playoff talk, because the Stanley Cup Final will be starting tomorrow. And of course, it's presented by Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. And I mean the Stanley Cup. A talk, not the actual Stanley Cup. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we we're gonna see massive banners in like Vegas. Maybe he'd be out there. At He's Center gonna Ice award and... the cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Move over, Gary. <laughs> that, that I want to see. 
Um, look, he's all about service. I don't know if he can get to that level of service in terms of presenting the Stanley Cup, but he can help you get the keys to uh, your house if you're in the mortgage business or you're in the market for a mortgage. And one of the great things about Jason Hominick, and we always talk about the, the website, Jason.mortgage, it's easy. Uh, but when you phone, like you're talking to him, like he's, this isn't, you know, farming out to one of his people or he'll get back to you. He's there. He's in the office. He'll answer your calls and he wants to talk to you about mortgages because that's the business that he's been in for close to three decades now. So it's a people business. He's a people person. Uh, find out for yourself or reach out with a phone call. Jason.mortgage is the website and all the contact info is there. So whether you're up for renewal or you're getting into the housing market for the first time, Jason Hominick is your guy. And I don't know. Maybe he'll be uh, Mark Stone's guy as well. And they'll pass him the Stanley Cup. Ah, is that a prediction? Yeah. Well, sort of. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I've I've been leaning that way. Right. Uh, I think Vegas. Look, the Florida story has been incredible. I have uh, all the respect in the world for the way the Panthers are playing. I like Paul Maurice as a head coach. Not all the guys in Winnipeg like Paul Maurice as a head coach, but they seem to like him in Florida right now. Uh, he's got his team buying in, but I think. It's going to be the end of the line for the Florida Panthers, and Roberto Luongo won't get his hands on the Stanley Cup. And, in fact, I don't think Luongo is going to get a chance to go to a Game 7 in this Ooh. one. I think Vegas takes care of business in five. That's my in prediction. Five. The Golden Knights, Stanley Cup champs, five games. In I'm going to uh, Price is Right to you here, and uh, I'm going to go VGK in six. I agree with you. I think that, uh, honestly, I think it's just they're just going to run out of gas, the Florida Panthers. I think goalie Bob's... He might steal the game, but I don't know if he can hold up to uh, the standard that he's been at throughout these entire playoffs. So I got VGK in six, and the line did move back now on Bodog. VGK minus three, 130, and Florida plus 110. R Con Smythe, are you sticking with you? You're sticking with Eichel? I mean, we might as well, right? We, we predict this earlier on. I am, or? but I'm starting to feel this William Carlson, uh, the train man, Wild Bill train. Uh, I was looking at some of the plays that are available at Bodog. Uh, try this one Ooh. on for size. William Carlson to score two goals in any game in the series at plus 400. Like, he, he leads Vegas with 10 goals. He had two two-goal games in the last round against Dallas. In fact, his last game was a two-goal game. Like, think about it. If he scores once and they're protecting a lead and Florida pulls a goalie. Yeah. Boom, ah. Empty netter. I like when you dig into lines. That's a good one, man. That's a really good one. Plus 400 seemed like some significant value there. So I like that one, and I just like the way that William Carlson is is playing, I think, in the matchup game. And again, I've made this point before, but I just think we're at a point in time now where the people that have votes are more informed than ever before in the underlying numbers and the value that a player brings to a series. So I think 20 years ago, we just, oh, who's the leading scorer? There's your Con Smythe guy. I don't think it's as simple as that because there's not one guy that is, you know, if Jack Eichel had 30 points at this stage and was 15 points in front of anybody else, sure. But it's not that way. And William Carlson leads Vegas in goals. I think he's a legitimate candidate. I'll stick with Eichel as my pick because I think he'll be up to the challenge and I'll have a big series. But I'm not sleeping on William Carlson either as a potential consequence. Is Connor now. McDavid still eligible? Because he's third in playoff scoring in <laughs> 12 <laughs> games, 20 points. Uh, okay, so William, uh, Eichel at plus 400. These lines have changed now for Con Smythe. Uh, Eichel at plus 400. I have Marcia So. I'm going to stick with Marcia So. I don't know. I just, for some reason, he's a big game player. I like him. Plus 700. Yep. And then William Carlson. 
plus 700 there as well. So head over to Bodog, get those bets in. Series starts tomorrow night. We uh, got the Best Buy winners in, J-Pat. Cha-ching, here we go. Yeah. I got re- to remind the people, though, that are doing this. You got to like both. Or you got to like, you got to retweet, you got to follow. Oh, we got some so there were people. Have to, there are some hoops. hoops you have to jump through. Like, yes, let's be honest. Well, you got to do this. But I'm and listen, I'm not just going in. I'm looking. I'm making sure that you did <laughs> it all. Actor Wadden is on yeah, patrol. Damn right. There's 50 bucks up here to Best Buy. I'm not going to do them wrong like that. So congratulations. Where's the drum roll? I will add it in. Uh, ben Blitz, 91 on Twitter. He just goes by Ben. Uh, he's the winner. And Devery Beckett. At Devry Beckett on Twitter as well. You guys are taking home 50 bucks to Best Buy. Congratulations. We'll do two more winners, J-Pat, uh, next week on Friday. All right? Yeah. All right. Many thanks, as always, to Patrick Johnson for joining us. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always scores.